Welcome to Victory Christian Center. You're about to hear from our senior pastor, Pastor Stefan Schlugel, as he brings a message on a Sunday service. Amen, amen. All right, uh, uh, we are uh, on the third uh, message this since the beginning of the year, well, actually late last year, uh, entitled Principles of Prosperity. Um, and the subtitle of today's message is Three Qualities That Will Lift You Into Prosperity. Three qualities that we'll be discussing today. Uh, and as we said that late last year, we had some wonderful teaching uh, about the prosperity that God has for us. And uh, Pastor Vanessa taught on the transfer of wealth that is prophesied to happen in the last days. And seeing we are in the last days, we are expecting that to happen. Um, and uh, yet we are mindful, we are conscious that we need to position ourselves for that, that we are in the right place in God and uh, that God can use us towards all of that. Now, very quickly, uh, last week's message, the main points, four points. Uh, uh, number one, we said that God wants to bless the work of our hands. Number two, God commands us to work and to be productive. Number three, we said that not all types uh, of work and goods produced pays an equal income. Uh, and uh, we did say that that was a very basic principles of prosperity, it's good for people to understand that, particularly young people. Uh, we should encourage young people in their career to aim high, not aim low, all right? Not roll out of school into the first thing that comes along, aim high. Uh, and then lastly, we talked about the need for us to have a storehouse. Uh, so if you missed last week's message, I would encourage you um, to get to it, uh, it is on our YouTube channel, uh, Victory Christian Center, um, and it's also on uh, a number of platforms, including Spotify and uh, a couple of other platforms. So today we will be discussing uh, those three qualities that are necessary for people to advance in life and also to advance economically. Uh, I should say that today's message is not sensational, nor is it inherently exciting. All right. Yet it will communicate valid truth to those who truly wish to advance. And I've been thinking, if I were to uh, organize a seminar and, uh, and say that we will be discussing those things that we've discussed up to now in the last three messages and give some descriptions about those messages, uh, I think we wouldn't quite get the buy-in uh, into a seminar like that than if I were to retitle it completely and change the, context, the context and say, look, we're going to teach about prosperity, we're going to lay hands on everybody, prophesy over everybody, and everybody will immediately prosper. It would be easier to get people into that type of seminar than into the first one that I mentioned. But friends, here is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, many people have had many prophecies and they do not realize the prophecy primarily speaks about potential. Everybody say potential, all right? Personal prophecy does not mean it's a done deal. Uh, it speaks into the future in regards to the potential that God has for us. And one of the reasons why God uh, then moves on somebody to bring a personal prophecy into our lives to motivate us and to, to kind of uh, stand ourselves up and to meet the demands that is necessary in order for us to step into what God has for us. Uh, is everybody excited about that? <laughs> So uh, I'm usually saying I'm not looking for a personal prophecy. I, I know where I'm going. I know who I am. But yet if, uh, if I get one, I'm grateful for it. You know, don't get me wrong. But uh, uh, I wish it was as simple as just a quick laying on of hands on somebody and a quick word of prophecy and everything will immediately fall into place. If that's what they told you when you, when you got saved, 
They lie to you. <laughs> this is not the whole story at all. Yet we believe in the laying on of hands. We believe in prophecy. A bit later on, we are going to lay hands on your children. We believe in the impartation of God's Spirit into their lives and to, to, for them to, to receive a, a new measure of the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. We believe in all of that. Uh, yet there's a few more things required in order for uh, our children to succeed. So the first area I want to speak to you about out of those three is the area of diligence. Uh, the first point, and it's in your outline, uh, diligence is the stepping stone to leadership. Um, leadership in general, uh, but we are gearing towards leadership in the marketplace, leadership in the job, in the company where you're working, leadership. Um, so, you know, realizing that the book of, Prophet, uh, of Proverbs speaks extensively about the quality of diligence. Um, reading through Proverbs, the word diligence comes up over and over again. There's a, you know, it's very easy to establish a doctrine uh, out of the book of Proverbs alone, let alone in other areas where God says, if you listen diligently, if you listen diligently to my word. And if you're diligent to do my word, so the word diligent is in there. So rather than listening casually and then say, oh, I'll give it a go. No, we need to be diligent about these things. Uh, and uh, in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, um, this has been in my spirit. This scripture has been in my spirit, uh, you know, last year. And I, I kind of knew that somehow we would get around this message today. And, and, uh, and here it is. Uh, uh, Proverbs 12, 24, it says, The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Um, all right. <laughs> the hand of the diligent will rule, um, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. You know, certain jobs, we might say, at the lower end uh, of the, you know, in the economic world uh, is almost like forced labor. Uh, but people haven't got much option because there has not been sufficient preparation for them to aim into places uh, of uh, more valuable work or work that produces better, better income and so forth. But notice again, it says the hand of the diligent will rule. Uh, the word rule means lead. Um, so this means that a diligent person will rise in rank in their place of employment and occupy leading positions. All right. Uh, notice it does not say the hand of the diligent might rule. It says the hand of the diligent will rule. It's a principle. All right. It's true every time. Uh, and of course, diligence is not the only thing. <laughs> we need to prepare ourselves as people, uh, and hopefully early in life, uh, uh, we need to develop our character, we need to hone our personality, we need to develop skills. There's a number of things going on, but today we're just speaking about three things. That's not all there is, but uh, those th three things are certainly uh, noteworthy. All right, so diligence, then, uh, to give it a definition, what does diligence mean? Uh, is the opposite of slackness or laziness. Um, you know, I just interact with my grandchildren a lot, and you know, um, I like to brag on them a little bit. I think I'm bragging on my grandchildren more today than what I did on my own kids. You know, it's just a different ball game. Uh, and I'm sure when I look back, gosh, I could have done so much better to encourage the kids. But you know, when they do something well, we like to catch them out doing something well. I says, oh gosh, you're awesome. This is really good. You know, you're so diligent. Uh, and uh, you're, so, you're such a hard worker. This is so good. And what we're doing is we're reinforcing uh, 
you know, positive reinforcement, uh, they call it, and, and obviously other terms uh, uh, that we might put to it, and to encourage the kids when they do something, they do something well to encourage them. Uh, so diligent, uh, or to be diligent uh, in Bible dictionaries, uh, one dictionary says sharp. <laughs> okay, and we use that term. We look at someone and say, "Boy, that guy's sharp," you know, like meaning he's onto it. Uh, uh, and so, what we're really saying is, this is a diligent person uh, being sharp. Uh, one other, uh, um, one other dictionary speaks about somebody that's determined. Um, and uh, you know, when people say, uh, uh, "You know, what do you want to do?" Uh, or whatever, uh, that's not sharp. That's all over the place. Uh, and and you know, if, if it's like it's like aiming a gun at something. Uh, you can't aim it in all directions. You can only aim it in one direction. And so it is in life. It's good for people to have different experiences and to try different things. As we said a couple of weeks ago, that when young people start out, start out in a job that is not a very nice job, it's a good learning experience. That early in life to learn what they don't want to be doing for the rest of their lives, all right? So it speaks about somebody that's determined, uh, and obviously general uh, dictionaries would speak about uh, somebody that's reliable, somebody that's consistent, and somebody that's timely. Um, <laughs> and of course, right now, I could be speaking about coming late to church, but I'm not going to, uh, because I'm not going to go there, uh, all right? But, you know, people that are reliable diligent and timely, all right? They start the job on time, they finish the job on time. They come to work, not late, but they come on time and they don't leave early, all right? They put in a, a good day's work. Is everybody all right with that? Gosh, I was nearly in trouble there before, wasn't I? Uh, I better move on quickly and pretend that I hadn't said anything. Proverbs 10 verse 4, it says, he who, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent will make rich. Um, will. All right, will. Not maybe, it says will. So again, we are seeing here that it says the hand of the slack becomes poor. You see, slack hands lead to poverty, but diligent hands lead to prosperity. And uh, when people do all the Bible study in the world about prosperity, if they miss these things, they're just not going to get there. All right. Um, and, uh, and here the scripture passage, uh, and this is what Proverbs does, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the scripture passages that contrast between diligence and slackness or laziness and tell us the inevitable outcome. All right. So in other words, and this is a, a sentence that's probably, uh, probably one of the more powerful statements out of the whole message. Here it is. Prosperity or poverty are not random results in life. They're prophesied and predicted results of certain lifestyles and certain character traits, all right, or lack of, okay? So um, uh, it says, the hand of the diligent makes rich. So the hand of the diligence will not only rule, but it also makes rich. Uh, in other words, when they rule, when they lead in the marketplace, they will be rewarded better than the people at the lower end uh, of the you know, company structure, if you like. And this is this just practical things, uh, all right? Uh, and uh, so it's good for us to understand these things, and it's good for us to, um, to teach 
our children, uh, and as it is now in our case, we, we try to, to pass on, uh, you know, uh, understandings to our grandchildren to encourage them. Uh, and, and of course, uh, uh, you don't just teach uh, children once a month, you teach them every day, all right, every day as you go. The um, uh, Bible tells us that, uh, in, is it in the book of Deuteronomy, it says when you teach the children these principles and these truths, uh, when you sit down and when you rise up, when you get up in the morning, when you lie down in the evening, all the time, never miss an opportunity to put truth into your children's lives. I reckon uh, the Christian kids ought to be the ones that are advancing faster like all the other kids. I reckon Christians ought to be at the top end of the economic uh, in environment, and, and, and yet that's not always so. And this is why we are teaching these things, uh, um, to help people. And uh, so here it says in Proverbs 12, verse uh, 27, it says, The lazy man shall not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is a man's precious possession. Um, When we talk about um, diligence being a man's precious possession, uh, when we talk about precious possession in terms of things, uh, we could talk about precious, you know, precious jewelry. Jewelry would be precious. Um, they, they talk about precious metals. Um, precious metals is more desirable than common dirt that's on the ground. Uh, so we're talking about something that's precious. Um, and, uh, and actually, um, just got ahead of myself here, but one of the base meanings of the word diligence here is gold. Uh, uh, and in the dictionaries, again, and I personally, I love dictionaries. I just, it just uh, sort of helps me to get my head around what we're actually discussing and what we're talking about. So it speaks about uh, diligence is, is, is gold, but it doesn't mean gold in, in the physical, literal sense. It means gold in the poetical sense that, uh, that uh, if somebody would desire gold, God wants us to desire diligence and develop that in our lives, and it becomes a very, very precious possession. All right? That's what that means. And uh, uh, what's interesting here is that uh, it says, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. Um, You know, the lazy man does not follow through with what he started, but diligent people bring their projects to completion. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I remember talking about, you know, not roasting uh, what it took in hunting. Some years ago, I was out hunting, um, and I was up in the hills uh, um, over towards uh, what we call the Orongoronga mountain range, uh, hills over there, specifically in the water catchment area. You know, the city council lets uh, uh, hunters in there by ballot and, uh, and what they want hunters to do over a period of four weeks, you know, you get allocated a block and three, four days, and then they want any game that's in, they want it cleared out because they don't want game uh, in the water catchment area. So I'm up there in the hills, uh, I parked my car down the bottom on the track going in, and then I climbed up into the hills, and uh, uh, wouldn't you know it, I came across a a pig up in the hills, uh, quite a distance up, and uh, and that was good, and by the time I had secured the peg uh, and got it all processed, uh, um, I thought that was a nice word, secured the peg. Uh, you, know what, you know exactly what I mean, but we want to just keep things, uh, keep things uh, you know, nice. And so I, by the time I gutted the, the animal, I threw it over my shoulder and I headed down the hill, and suddenly I realized that I was a long way away from my car. Um, this particular peg was, uh, what would you call it, a... Uh, 
um, a male, uh, not, not particularly big, but you know, after a while, it's like when I threw it over my shoulder and carrying my rifle and carrying that big, it was like, oh gosh, you know. So I ended up, I thought, I'm going to take a shortcut here. So I headed down the hill and I saw kind of a straight, you know, off the path, which was straight down. I thought, I'm going to go down here. And by the time I'd worked my way down about 200 meters, this was a gully that didn't go anywhere. It just cl lock clocked up. It just closed off, you know, the trees that had fallen over and I was now stuck. And I'm looking back up again and I'm looking at this big. So I had to drag this jolly thing all the way back up again. You know, I was on the top of the hill and uh, working my way down. Uh, and, and they reckon you can do that in the mountains. You can go some, somewhere where you can't actually get out, so you've got to go back up again. And so anyway, so I dragged this pig back up again, and the pig and I got very acquainted. Uh, uh, <laughs> I sort of, as you do, you carry this thing and, uh, and work my way up, and by now I'm exhausted. I'm just absolutely had it. Uh, and so anyway, uh, I did manage to get it up. I took a different route, and I came down. Uh, near enough to the valley floor, and at that stage I'd run out of energy. I'd, I'd done my dash. I thought, I can't do this. Uh, and, but this pig's going to come home with me. I will not leave it in the bush. <laughs> because, you know, the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but I'm not a lazy man. I'm going to get this pig home. Uh, anyway, uh, I couldn't do it anymore, so I left the pig there and, 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 and uh, remembered where it was. I went out, I rung one of my sons, and I said, I'm in the bush and I need some help. <laughs> oh, I can't come right now, but a couple of three hours, oh, that'll be fine. I need a rest now anyway. So <laughs> I went to lie down and I had a good rest and my son came out and helped me. Uh, and uh, the funny thing was that it wasn't actually all that far from the car, but I just simply ran out of energy. So I don't even know why I'm telling you this story, but, uh, but I took the pig home and... Uh, and, <laughs> and it turned out that by the time I processed it... Uh, and, uh, you know, I've done some butcher in my time, so that's not difficult. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Vanessa looked at us and said, I'm not eating that. I said, well, I will. It's okay. You know, I wouldn't tell uh, uh, my wife what to eat. You know, you don't tell women what to eat. They know what to eat. Uh, and you just don't go there. It's called staying out of trouble. Uh, but, uh, but I tried to make my kids eat it, and I, I, I was partially successful. Uh, you know, I was... <laughs> partially successful. Anyway, it turns out that uh, some of the meat I gave to a butcher that I knew and he turned some of it into bacon and it just didn't taste nice. It was one of those old gamey uh, boar things, you know, but I says, oh, but I says, why did you throw it away? I says, no, I'm not throwing this away. This will be eaten. I ate the whole thing. I didn't enjoy it, but I ate the whole thing. Um, <laughs> uh, the New Living Translation in Proverbs 12, and I probably took too much time telling you that story. Uh, the diligent make use of everything they find. Uh, <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you the story about my rabbit pie. I will not tell you. Because that wasn't a hunting trip, that was a road trip, and I will not tell you because the half of you will be disgusted, and the other half will hate me. But I made my children eat it, and it was lovely. Uh, and I, the, the meat was fresher than you would get it at the supermarket, I assure you. So, <laughs> Ooh, moving right along. Number two, courage. <laughs> uh, courage, the quality required of leaders. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, the things we do, eh? I wouldn't starve in a hurry, I tell you that. <laughs> I would find food anywhere. I was out with my brother decades ago now, and we were doing camping down south. <laughs> and, uh, 
and uh, we had a chili bin with us, and we had some sausages in there to grill up and a few other things. And uh, so one day we reached into the chili bin. By now, the freezer pack had, got, had sort of melted and wasn't there anymore. And the sausages, you know how sometimes when sausages get a bit, get a bit sort of uh, slippery. Uh, and he said, oh, we've got to throw those out. No, no. I says, no, we will not. I says, we will wash those down and throw them on the barbecue. And we did. And 30 years later, he still tells me about that story. <laughs> I don't like throwing food away. <laughs> All right, number two, courage, the quality required of leaders. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you in all the days uh, all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for, this, uh, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be, very, be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all, all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This is Joshua chapter 1. Uh, we are told that Moses had just uh, uh, died. Uh, Joshua is the next leader of the nation of Israel. They're still on the other side of the Jordan, ready to go into the promised land. Um, and Joshua was the man to do that. Uh, and it's interesting that God had spoken to Joshua before, but now he's just become the leader. And he says, Moses is dead. He says, you, you are now it. I'm kind of paraphrasing. And he says, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And there's something reassuring about God. Uh, he says, I will not leave you. He says, I will not forsake you. I'm, gonna let you, I don't, I'm not going to let you dangle out there. He says, I will be with you. And then he begins to speak to him about courage. Every leader needs courage. And every leader must have courage uh, in order to be a leader. Uh, he says, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Uh, I remember when uh, I left the whole uh, secular marketplace employment that I had to come on over into the ministry uh, full-time and I frequented it here in Joshua chapter 1. And God had me in that first chapter here for weeks on end and speaking to me over and over and over about courage. Uh, see, every leader knows that, you see, you get diligent people that are very diligent. And it provides opportunities for them, but then they haven't got the courage to step into it. So it requires courage in order to step forward. Uh, it takes character strength to embark on a career path or to accept a promotion in one's place of employment. Because you know what promotion means, as nice as what it is, that it uh, usually involves more pay, but it means increased responsibility and increased challenges. And some people have flat turned promotions down because they didn't want the responsibility and they didn't want the challenges and they stayed where they were. And yet God wants to move us on and God wants to take us up. Again, Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, Joshua had been Moses's 2IC for many years, uh, and uh, sometimes there is a fallacy where people 
who are in a kind of a supporting role, supporting the, I don't know, CEO, whoever they may be, uh, to think, oh, this is easy. I could do this any day. They do not fight the same battles. In uh, uh, even in ministry sometimes, you know, we've seen this over and over and over where you get senior leaders that have supporting ministers around them, and some of them think this is the easiest thing, and they step out and they haven't got the anointing for it, nor do they have the, 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 the spiritual gumption to fight the devils that you're fighting at a certain level. And the same is true out in the marketplace. You're now in a whole new place than what we have people we're not before and it's 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 a whole new ball game and and I, I believe God wants to prepare us for that because I, I honestly believe that God wants his people in the top layer of society in every sphere of influence. Most certainly uh, in leadership and in, in terms of politics in the marketplace and in industry and in education uh, there's still a lot of people that have to be sacked uh, uh, and I just speak practically here. There's still a lot of people in government departments and in places uh, sent for the last two terms uh, uh, of, of government that we had where they staffed, uh, they put their people in there, the woke, the liberals, and the gender confused and everything. They're still out there, and a lot of them still have to be sacked and be, be replaced by good people uh, who are operating out of a Judeo-Christian value system rather than the crazy system that we've had thrust upon us in the last few years. So, But anyway, I'm not going to be speaking about this either. I'm not going to get too sidetracked here, otherwise I might be in trouble afterwards. <laughs> Praise God. So uh, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I remember many years ago I was sitting in, the, in this... Um, Workshop, I suppose, if that's what it was, seminar, workshop type scenario. And there was one man there, and, and I even forget now what the theme was in terms of what was taught at the time. But there was a man sitting there. They said, look, they've just made me the manager, he says, in my company. They just made me the manager. I'm totally scared, he says, because what I have to do as part of my management role, he says, I have to write things. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, I just find it so difficult. Uh, and as I said, uh, that sometimes uh, people turn down... Um, promotions and opportunities because they simply do not have the courage to step forward. That's why God says to Joshua, he says, Joshua, he says, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Um, and I reckon, uh, I reckon courage, instilling courage into children and confidence uh, that even simple things, you know, like something that I was not used to when I was in, in my schooling years, uh, what they have here in, in New Zealand schools, and if it's still happening, and if they still call it the same, but, you know, show and tell, show and tell that they get the kids up, and they get them to bring some sort of item from home, and they show, and they tell, and I think that is an absolute fantastic concept, because to get children up in front of other children, to get them used to being in front of other children and not fall apart. If they had got me up, I would have fallen apart right there because I wasn't used to that. You know, I grew up on the farm uh, and, and being in front of people, that wasn't sort of something that I had to sort of grown up with at all. Uh, and, 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 and this is why when the call of God began to scur, that was one of the biggest things that I, I was fight, fighting that devil uh, to kind of, oh God, that means I need to get up. I need to speak in front of people. And like, you know, that fear right there, I'm glad in the end I got over it. Uh, there's still an apprehension there, you know, getting up at times. But, uh, but uh, if people uh, don't, don't 
conquer that fear, then there are certain doors that will just, you know, they're open, but they're not stepping through it because they simply do not have the courage or the confidence. So show and tell is a good thing. I'm, I'm amazed at our young people. You know, they go away on some sort of activity, then they get up here and they talk, and it's like the easiest thing in the world, you know? And so I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I thought, gosh, I wish I had been as confident as that when I was a young person. So well done, you young people. Anyway, they will run away before they've <laughs> gone next door. But we're, we're inspired by our young people. They're awesome, and they're going to go a long way. So what are we talking about? We're talking about being strong and of good courage. Uh, so God spoke to Joshua three times and talked to him about being strong and of good courage. And all God-appointed leaders need to be uh, are commanded to be courageous. It's, it's, like, it's not a suggestion to say, Joshua, it would be good. God didn't say it would be good. Or Joshua, you will find it easier doing your job. He can say, no, Joshua, be strong. It's a command. Be strong and be courageous, all right? And I believe that as believers, courage is the result of God's presence in our lives. You know, the last scripture that we have on the outline, I bring it up now, but the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And I cannot even begin to tell you the number of times where I've confessed that scripture and I've stood before a task or before a challenge or before sort of a situation and and, and I can't do this. And and, and that's what I think. But then I say, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. It's helping to develop the God confidence in our lives. Uh, You see, every believer in Christ should develop a deep and acquire courage as a result of God's presence in our lives, because God is with us. That's why God says to Joshua, Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. All right? And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And for us that are born again, uh, that's why God says, I I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God is always with us. Uh, Whether we are just out, you know, playing your sports or something, whether you're in, a, we're in, a, in a, an exam situation, uh, God's right there and He's with us to help us uh, in all of those situations. So, I mean, how cool is that? Uh, I mean, that is just so awesome. So what are we talking about? We're talking about diligence and we're talking about courage um, and to some extent confidence. And I want to speak to you about the third area now with the remaining time that we have uh, is uh, about being industrious. Uh, Industrious. It's a bit of an unusual word, uh, but let me tell you, it's a big word in the Bible. Um, And uh, and there is a quote here. Um, It says that all industry is driven by industrious people. Uh, What industry? Well, industry, factories, uh, the whole deal out there in the marketplace in terms of, uh, you know, research and innovation and then building factories and producing things. They talk about the Industrial Revolution uh, and the changes that they brought into humanity. Uh, Those changes, they reckon, were as big, if not bigger, than when people moved from being hunter-gatherers to becoming farmers. Uh, Though I reckon I got a big question mark over that history that we're being told about hunter-gatherers. God placed Adam and Eve into the garden. He says, grow some things. Uh, So now we're told that everybody started out as a hunter-gatherer. It's another one of those stupid things that they put in front of our kids that's not true. Anyway, being industrious. Let me speak to you about being industrious. First Kings chapter 11, verse 28. Jeroboam 
was a very capable young man. And when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Jacob. Um, so we are told, descendants of Joseph. Uh, yes, Joseph. Uh, <laughs> Joseph, okay. <laughs> Jeroboam was a very capable young man. Uh, I'm inspired by capable people, and I get jealous of capable people. Sometimes I think, gosh, these people are so clever, the things that they're able to do. Uh, you know, I look at people that can do, like, practical things, uh, things that I want to do, and I haven't got the skill yet, but I'm learning new skills. Uh, never too late to learn new skills. Uh, I did a, uh, a welding course uh, some years, six decades ago now, uh, I learned how to, to weld them because I was just interested. I wanted to make some things and, uh, and then I borrowed a welder. This was a gas welder, so that was a bit easier to operate than the old arc welders. I do not know how to do arc welding. It's just a very difficult thing. But now I have a vision. I've now learned about or heard about these laser welders uh, and I, I thought, I can do that. So I'm after one of those gadgets. Uh, and of course my wife says, oh no, another gadget in my garage. Uh, um, but, you know, my garage is my shed. You know, a man is allowed to have things in his shed. Is that right? <laughs> so being capable, learning things, uh, learning new skills, uh, never too late to learn skills. And Jeroboam was a very capable young man. One translation says that he was a man of valor. Now, a man of valor means that he also had courage, uh, and he was just an amazing young guy. Uh, and this is not by accident. Uh, you know, he must have grown up in, a, in the right environment where he was encouraged to develop certain skills and so forth. And so uh, here is the deal. When the Bible says here in verse 28 that when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force. So in other words, he made him the leader over the entire labor force of the house of Joseph. Uh, now Joseph uh, had two sons and they replaced one of the tribes of Israel. I don't have the time to get into the details, nor, nor do I fully remember it now, but there was a hunk of, uh, of the, a portion of the whole nation of Israel that this man, in terms of the labor force, uh, uh, was being put in charge of. Uh, you know, sometimes you kind of wonder, in terms of even sometimes people uh, uh, that are being put in charge of labor forces, uh, people that have never labored themselves, that cannot make anything. They've got good theory. They come out of university. They're very good in the theory of things, but are not that good in practical things. Uh, you see, Solomon put a practical man in charge, and I think there's something to be called for when we're talking about being practical with things. Uh, and uh, so the scripture, uh, or in scripture, the meaning of diligence and industriousness are linked together. They're not entirely separate concepts, all right? They're kind of linked together. And the word industry, uh, we're learning by just looking at a, at a dictionary, the word industry is from the Latin word industria, meaning diligence or hard work, okay? So uh, hardworking, 
being industrious means hard working. I have a, a relative, a young man, uh, that I don't interact with a lot, but I interact with his parents a bit more, and they recently showed me pictures of his house. Uh, I've been to his house, so it's, it's in another city. Uh, haven't got a great deal of interaction with this young man, but I'm inspired by this young man. He's a, he's a tradesman, one specific trade, but boy, he does a lot of things. And one thing I found about this guy, he's always on his feet. He goes, he's, he's out, he, he does his job, he comes home, and rather than sort of vegging out, as sometimes uh, we can do, he's on his feet and he's making things, he's doing things. Uh, he's got artwork in his garden. He's, got, he's built himself a barbecue area out there and a pizza oven, and then he's got veggie garden things going on. And it's like, and, uh, so in other words, he's industrious. And I thought, gosh, I want to be like that. I, 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 so there's transformation coming into my garden. Uh, that's just an announcement I'm making. There's transformation coming into my garden. And, you know, my wife's doing a great job in the garden. But, uh, you know, together, together, we can take this whole thing to a whole new level. Um, and so late last year, I bought myself something. I'm not going to tell you. Some of you would laugh if I told you, but uh, uh, I'm learning uh, some things uh, so that I can, uh, I, can, uh, I can grow some things, all right? So <laughs> if I could hunt things and grow things, I'll tell you what, the supermarkets wouldn't see me very often. So anyway, let's not go there. So to be industrious means to be hardworking. You know, when I'm asked or requested to write a reference for somebody, which is not uncommon, you know, people sometimes they, they, they want a reference for this, that, or the other, uh, I like, as a starting point, I like to write in there that, amongst other things, that they're hardworking. Uh, if I were to read a reference from, f that somebody brings me in terms of them, you know, employing them or something. Uh, I like seeing the word hardworking. There's something about that. You know, it means industrious, hardworking. Um, and sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when you write reference, uh, particularly for us as Christians, we can't lie. <laughs> you know, we cannot lie. So, but you can't write bad things. So you just leave certain things out because they are just not there in people's lives, which is sad. We're talking, writing reference for Christians. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, hardworking persistently active, uh, and uh, this is the deal. You know, this young man in, in my relations, uh, he's persistently active, uh, and uh, I reckon he got this from his father. His father's always on his feet, you know, doing stuff, and, uh, and I'm kind of inspired by that. Uh, and uh, so to means, it means to be constantly, regularly, or habitually occupied. Uh, People say, well, what about me? I'm retired. I'm not working anymore. Well, no, 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 no. You can be retired, but uh, it just means you can do thing, things that you want to do rather than things that you have to do. All right? You still keep busy. Okay. In fact, people that immediately slow down and, uh, and don't do nothing, that's, that, that's, not a, that's not a good life. You know, we want to remain active whether we're employed or, or not. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, when it speaks about industry, it says, it is a systematic labor, especially for some useful purpose or the creation of something of value. So we don't just putter around for the sake of puttering around. We're producing valuable things. All right. And uh, in a company that we're employed in, we're bringing value to the company. That will always open doors. There are managers, there are CEOs, there are supervisors in our nation right across the marketplace, and they will be in other places too. They're looking for diligent, 
people that are industrious that they can put into leading roles. All right. And as I said before, I reckon for us as Christians, we ought to be in leading roles all over the place. All right. There's no shame in starting out. You know, as last week we talked about flipping burgers. There's no shame in that at all. Um, but we don't want to be flipping burgers when we're 60 years old. Okay. <laughs> so, praise God. Anyway, some of you are more inspired than others. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Going to wind down shortly. We're calling the children and then we pray for our kids. Uh, Ephesians 4.28, it says, Let the thief steal no more, but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands, so that he may be able to give to those in need. Um, uh, Paul the Apostle speaks here uh, into the Ephesian church. Um, Some of the people that got saved uh, would have been thieves, uh, but he says, okay, It's a new way of living now. Let the thief steal no more, but let him be industrious, uh, making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Uh, And uh, just three sentences here. The lazy person waits for someone to give them something of value. The thief takes items of value that somebody else has earned or produced but an industrious person works with their own hands and earns and produces valuable things. Let me pray uh, as uh, we prepare for the kids to come over. And uh, let's trust God that, uh, you know, that we're sufficiently inspired today, uh, that this has been useful and valuable uh, as a word to lift us all into a whole new level. Thanks for watching Victory Christian Center. For more content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or you can subscribe to our podcasts on Spotify, iTunes or Google Podcasts. Check out our website at victory.net.nz. We'll see you again soon.